Welcome, 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 everyone. This is Educators Who Create. I am the host and creator. My name is Takor. I welcome you so, so very much to the podcast. I hope that you enjoy what you hear today. If you want to, please go back and listen to the other podcasts that have um, been uploaded and that are available, different things that I've talked about over the past two weeks or so. The podcast is very new, but I am trying to highlight things that I think are of value, things that I feel like will really empower you as educators and impact your life in a way that it, you know, increases your movement and it changes your focus and it changes your thoughts about, you know, creating or building uh, wealth creation for educators. I believe that as educators, just because we got into the field of education does not mean that we have to be poor or that we, we can barely make ends meet without working at Pizza Hut or driving Uber or, you know, selling things on eBay, even though all of those things are also great, you know, ways to generate additional income. However, many teachers have done that in the past without really looking at it as multiple streams of income for wealth creation. They have done those jobs for supplemental income. They have done those jobs to make ends meet. So if you're driving for Uber and you're a teacher or if you're working at Pizza Hut or you're selling things on eBay, do not get me wrong. Don't get it wrong. Those things are great if you're using those things for building wealth. But if you're just doing those things because you're just trying to make ends meet to get an extra $30, $40, $50 every month and you're still struggling, then that's the mindset and I'm trying to hopefully, you know, say something and speaking to you during these podcasts to kind of get you to think about what it really means to have income streams, what it really means to have you know, um, multiple income streams and how those income streams can actually build your wealth for your generations, for your retirement, for your vacation, for, you know, your dream home. So my, the idea is to take us from just being noble strugglers as educators, but to be Continue to be noble because our profession is noble, right? It's honorable, it's re, it's respectable. But it does not mean that we have to be strapped poor. I, I just, you know, my mindset is, is not set up for that. And so I will be honest with you, I've worked for many, many years trying to create generational wealth. And I was doing things and doing things and doing things, but I didn't have really clear direction. I just knew that I wanted more. I just knew that, you know, I wanted to have freedom and flexibility. I still wanted to teach because I have a passion for helping and teaching. Educating is one of the helping professions, right? There's helping professions like social workers, therapists. Um, what is another helping profession? Um, psychologists, you know, ministers, people who doctors and nurses, paramedics, these are helping professionals, police, 
firefighters, people that help other people are considered to be in the helping profession. Well, educators, we are helping professionals as well because we are helping to develop a love of learning. We're helping to strengthen, you know, students in areas that they may have weaknesses or we're helping to identify their strengths and build upon those strengths to let them know that they can be all that they want to be and some. We are helping them to gain knowledge in order to take with them out into the world, into the workplace, and then to what? To create their own place in the world, to create hopefully wealth creation and generational wealth for their families. So yes, I believe that we have a noble um, profession, excuse me. And yes, I believe that many of us say, you know, I didn't get in into teaching to make money. I get that. I hear you, but as you continue to live and as, you know, our, our economy, um, things are being increased, you know, um, cost of living is greater than your monthly and annual income. There is a necessity for having multiple streams of income. If you are parents and you begin to have children, there is a necessity for having more income. And so as you get older and mature and life happens and you go through different experiences, your mindset shifts and change. Of course, we know as, you know, as, you know, um, people that have have common sense we knew that going into education there's not a lot of money in it but there's something in us that like to help other people thrive and so out of all of the helping professions we chose education most helping professions even if you look at it outside of maybe doctors do not make a lot of money and educators i feel like should be at the top of kind of like the salary hierarchy. Um, but we're, it really, I think that we're at the bottom. I haven't really looked at all the numbers across the board for all the helping professions, but I can tell you as an educator, as a grad student in mental health therapy counseling, I know that as a helping professional, there you don't make like a lot of, lot of money. And Money is not what thrives or money is not what empowers your passion, right? But it's money that empowers your stability in life. Okay, so I want to make that clear because I, you know, I'm very transparent about what I'm saying and I can hear people say, oh, again, I didn't get in this to make money or common sense tells us that we weren't going to make a lot of money. I know that. But when I first started, I've been teaching now for about 24, 25 years. If I calculate everything, I actually started teaching at the age of 18, 17 years old, like literally I started in preschool teaching. And my first job ever, my first job ever, my summer job was working at a child care center as an assistant teacher during the summertime. Back then I was 13. Um, I live in Atlanta. So they had the PIC program where if you were 13 to I think 18, they would give you summer jobs in places that you were interested in or places that signed up to host um, young children to come and work for them part-time. So back then I was able, my first job was at 
a child care center working, I believe it was the toddler in three-year-old classroom, two and three-year-old classroom. That was the first time I ever, you know, stepped foot into a educational environment where children were involved. People had titles as teachers and they were actually, you know, teaching children. These are young children, but don't get it twisted. And you all should know this by now. Teachers start from childcare all the way through to university. Everyone is a teacher. You're working in a different sector of education, but you are a teacher. Okay. If you're teaching a child their shapes, their numbers, if you're teaching a child how to cut an apple into four pieces and those are fours and that child is three years old, you are a teacher. So, and I always highlight this, you guys, because for most of my career, I have worked in the preschool environment with teachers who have four year and fifth year degrees, master degrees, but they chose to work in preschool. They chose to be pre-kindergarten teachers or three-year-old teachers. And they are teachers just the same as an elementary school teacher, a high school teacher. Many of them have credentials. And even if they don't have an associate's, a bachelor's or a master's degree, many of them, because it is a nationwide requirement that teachers have a CDA credential. That credential CDA is Child Development Associate Credential. Okay, I'm actually one of my multiple streams of income is that I am a CDA professional development specialist and I go around to the different schools to assess the teachers who are in the process of giving getting their credential. I have to assess their skills in the classroom and rate them and all of that and send it to the um, the the council who, who they have to take their test with. And um, they have to do like a site visit. So I get paid to do site visits. That's one of my streams of income. And I will talk to you a little bit about that too as a stream of income. But I know I don't want to get too far into a tangent because I kind of jumped off of what I was getting on here to say today. But I always want to clarify because I'm an advocate for early learning teachers. We know that early childhood education can go from birth to fifth grade. Some places it's like from birth to third grade, depending on, you know, your degree and your state and all of that in your school. You can go to school, early childhood education from um, from P to third grade, pre-K to three, um, pre-K to third grade. Um, some it's from, you know, it'll say pre-K to fifth grade or something like that. But early childhood education is from birth, right? It's from birth. It starts at birth. So those teachers in the infant room at a daycare, they're teachers. Okay. Those teachers in a three-year-old room at a daycare, they're teachers. They either have a CDA. Okay. Child Development Associates. Some may have a TCC if they went to a technical college, which is a technical certificate of credit, which um, is the equivalent of a CDA. That's like your basic, you know, your beginning credential, I like to call it. And both of those qualify them. I have taught in um, technical college as well. And so many of my students have TCCs or they have a one-year diploma or an associate's degree. Um, they are degree. They are being taught. They're being taught by professionals such as myself who 
have been in the field for 25 plus years and have master level or doctorate degree credentials that can go in and teach higher education. So they're being taught by professionals. They are professionals. There's some teachers who are just so passionate about working with very, very young children. And I applaud them. I appreciate them. I value them. They just may be in a part of the industry that people don't really look at as being valuable or intricate, but early, early learning is very, very important. That zero to five-year-old space is very, very important. I don't want to get into all the child development stuff right now, but I don't know. I'm just an advocate for early learning teachers. And when I say that, I'm talking about your teachers from birth, from infants to pre-K, okay? So that's from zero to five. I was, I started my career as a pre-K teacher with a degree as a pre-K teacher. And I worked inside of a childcare center, when I started, okay? And so I've worked between preschool and private schools. The centers that I've worked at, they've been from, some were, you know, like infant to pre-K, some were like preschool three to kindergarten. So I've worked in these environments. I started as a teacher and I was a director in these environments for 20 years. I own a virtual preschool program. So I'm so much an advocate for early learning teachers to get their respect due as teachers. They are not babysitters, you guys. They, They really, really are not babysitters, especially those who have the knowledge, have the formal education and the credentials, do everything that is required by the states and the standards that they have to do to work in that particular part of the education industry. They are not your babysitters. They're not just watching your children. Everything they do has a purpose. You know, from the way they talk to your child to the way if they're in the infant room, the way that they change a diaper or how they seem to the child as they're changing their diaper, or how they're talking to the child, letting the child know what they're about to get ready to do. Everything that they do has a purpose. So please, if you're out there listening, I know you're like, you know what, Sakura, you just went on a tangent, but respect our early learning teachers, especially those who are in that birth to five-year-old sector, birth to pre-K sector. And then all of our teachers, right? Because Teachers don't get the respect that they need or deserve. None of them. Not a one. Not in, they, they just don't. We don't. You know, but I wanted to highlight, you know, your child care, preschool, pre-K teachers just because of them being more like in a service-based, paid-for industry. And, you know, over the years, the qualifications for that particular part of the education industry has changed. The teachers have to get some extensive professional development and they also have to have formal educational training. And there are some teachers who just really, really love working with young kids. I was one. I only wanted to teach pre-K and kindergarten, pre-kindergarten and kindergarten. And that's all that I did for years. And then I started to teach ESL to K through, you know, fifth grade. And then I started um, working as an independent homeschool educator to three to 12 year olds. So my, I've always wanted to work with young children and I do have a graduate degree and I do teach college in early childhood education. So it doesn't mean that people are babysitters or not qualified. Okay. 
All right. So let me jump back on what I was about to say, because I know you're like, okay, she just spent five minutes on that. But when you are advocate for something, you're passionate about it. And so I'm passionate about that. So what I was saying before is that, you know, money does not empower your passion, right? However, money empowers your lively, your, your, your stability, your family life, the income that you generate for generations for your children and their children. And money does empower the light bill and the grocery bill and the car payment and all of those things. So we can't act like money is not necessary, right? And of course, yes, we can live at our means or a little bit below our means because I'm an advocate for no matter how much money I make, I don't I don't have to spend all that I have or I don't have to do certain things so you can know how much money I make. My money is there as for the stability of my generations. Okay. So I'm not saying that oh you can't work as a teacher and then say, okay, well live below your means. But why can't a teacher feel secure in being able to go on vacation for three weeks or 30 days, right? Or being able to move to, you know, the home of their dreams or being able to redecorate their home or being able to retire and go into a, a, a great um, senior community that is not government-based or state-based nursing home. It's just different things. I don't, I'm just kind of throwing things out there to help you to see why I believe that there should be wealth creation for teachers. And this year, if it has not taught us anything, it has taught us that we need to find ways to stimulate our own economy. We cannot depend on the government. We cannot depend on jobs. You know, we can't depend on many teachers have felt like they have to stay at their jobs and they have to return back you know, to the physical classroom because they need their job. They don't have any money. They have student loans or they don't make enough to really save enough. And so they're dependent on going back into situations and they're feeling bad and exhausted and mistreated and abused because of that. So my whole point is, regardless of what your views are on the situation that has happened in 2020, my point is to help you create your own economy to kind of change your mindset a little bit about how to go about doing those particular things. So I want to talk to you a couple more minutes, not too much longer about ways or ideas that you can create income, income streams for teachers in education. So if you know by now, I'm all about having multiple streams of income in education or building businesses in education, not leaving education and going to another industry or another field, but staying in education, using those gifts and that knowledge that you've paid all those years to go to school for using that, getting some money back. Now, if you choose, here's an idea, and this just came to my mind, right? Let's say you went to school for three years, you have your bachelor's degree, you went to school for four years, five years, whatever, have your master's degree, and it's in education, whether it's early education, elementary, um, middle grades, high school, secondary education, um, higher education. We know those are pretty much most of the levels, and then we get into administration and all of that, but I'm talking to teachers right now. 
So let's say you went to school and you have your teaching degree, whatever level it is. Even if you have a CDA in in um, child care, even if you have a one-year diploma in early childhood education and care, even if you have a associate's degree in early childhood education and care, okay? Regardless of your degree, let's just say you went to school, you paid some money, you borrowed some money um, from the government, the loans, and we know loans are not free and they they accrue interest. Let's say you went to school and you did all that and now you have these loans, you have money, you have to pay back, okay? And so now you're working your job and it's five-year mark. And usually, from my experience, what I've seen as a leader and administrator for years in education, I've seen most of my teachers get burnt out by that fifth year. They're on fire the first three, four years, but by that fifth year, they're kind of burnt out. They're tired of the bureaucracy and they're tired of not tired of not feeling like they can be as innovative as they want to be, or they're tired of the lack of support um, that they that they may get even from families, community. And so by that fifth year, they're burned out, but they've gone to school. They have all these loans. Maybe they they're in the middle of going into graduate school, perhaps, and they're like, man, I'm tired. You know, I want to be able to teach because I love helping the children, but I'm tired of everything else that goes on with being a teacher. And then the lack of respect or the lack of a value that I may get, even if you respect and love yourself, we're not talking about self-love and self-respect because hopefully you have that. Hopefully you see yourself as valuable, worthy, and as exceptional um, just as a person, not just as what you do as a teacher, but just as a person. So I'm not talking about that, but feeling just the weight of what comes along with being an educator. There's some beautiful things, but let's be real. There's some not so good things in the industry. If it was all good, you wouldn't have so many people that says things need to change in our educational system. Okay. So You've done all that. You've gone to school. You have these loans. You're feeling burned out, but you really love teaching. That's your passion. You don't make enough money. That was never your motivating factor. But now that all of these other things are adding up and building up on you, the fact that you don't even make enough money has become so apparent. And it's like, it's like a neon light, (laughs) you know, just buzzing. Every time you wake up at that 5.30, 6 o'clock alarm, you know, and every time you turn on the news or every time you get another, you know, um, letter, email from the superintendent saying what they're going to do with going back to school and all of that. And these issues haven't just happened with the pandemic, but it seems like they have, uh, what do you call it, metastasized during this time. Guys, check me on that word. Um, but I'm a wordsmith. I love words, but I want to make sure I'm also a teacher. So sometimes I'm like, did I say that right? Um, I'm my, my, my biggest just critic, but anyway, so yeah, it metastasized, it gets bigger, right? And so it got bigger this year, every nuance, every agitation, every 
irritant. Every frustration just got bigger during this pandemic, feeling like you're forced to have to do this and do that. And you want to leave, right? You want to do something different, right? But then you're like, uh, uh, that, that neon sign of student loans, debt, not enough in my savings, can't leave right now. Because I, I did that. And so now I have to put that back because I had, you know, so who wants to keep going through that? So, of course, I understand you that the money is not the reason why you got into education. Right. But money is a factor. Money is an important factor. Money is let me say that again. Money is an important factor. Right. And so you don't have to feel bad because you want to make more money in education. So that's where I come in at, right? So what I believe, because I've gone through and I, you know, I share my story here and there on these podcasts and even on my social media. And by the way, if you have not yet, follow me on Instagram at edupreneur underscore strategies edupreneur underscore strategies. Um, my name is Takor, T-H-A-K-O-R-E. Just look for me on Instagram, follow me, let's connect. Okay, so we got that business out of the way, right? So um, yeah, you wanna do something else. So my goal and what I believe in and what I've had to do, and you, I will share more of my story as time go on because I've been doing this 25 years. So of course I've had a lot of experience I've been in leadership for over 20 years. So I have a lot of experience um, as an administrator, a leader, and then I have my teaching experience too. So there's a lot of different things that I can share with you and a business owner in education. And so I believe in empowering teachers to want to grow into leadership positions and and, and so to help them to kind of horn in on them, the skills that they need and their mindset and the attitude and all of those kind of things. I also, because I believe in entrepreneurship, I believe in creating multiple streams of income or businesses like brands in the education field. I don't want to leave education. I don't. I like teaching. It's a passion. I like teaching. And I didn't know I was going to like teaching because I actually was going to school for law. I wanted to be a lawyer and a writer. I did become a writer. I'm an author of seven books, but I did that many, many years later as a self-published author, but I wanted to be a lawyer. So, but I, I became a teacher and it just became a part of my, I don't know, it was innate. It was like it was natural to teach and to, to lead. And those were things that were there. So I don't want to leave education, but I want to find a way where I can keep my passion without feeling burnt out, without feeling abused and neglected, where I can write my own paycheck and I can create my own security and I can work with students, whether they're, you know, preschoolers or adult students, I can work with them on my own terms and I can be as innovative as I want in my teaching strategies and and, in the things that I want to use to cultivate learning in my students. That is something that I always want it. And then as a leader, I wanted to be able to lead the way that I wanted to lead. So I created my own businesses, right? And so that's what I want to talk to you about a couple more minutes, okay? And so um, 
I hope it doesn't seem like I'm ranting, but I do <laughs> like to explain things. And sometimes when I start to talk, another idea or thought comes to my mind and then I'm like, yeah, 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 that's it, you know? And so I hope you're able to flow and follow with my flavor crazy, right? Every Everybody has a flavor crazy. So I hope that you can rock with me in my flavor crazy, okay? And I don't mean crazy in a derogatory um, manner because you all know I am in mental health counseling. So I don't mean that in a derogatory manner. I just mean crazy, like my, 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 my way of being, my cool, my weird, my who I am, the essence of me. All right. So we're getting ready to end, but I want to talk to you about a few ways. I'll give you a few ideas because today is December 31st and we're getting ready to end the year, right? We're getting ready to end 2020. So I want to give you just a jump start of a few ideas. Now, I'm only going to go through six of these ideas really quickly, but you can get these, these ideas in a free course download on my website. So... Go to kslinstitute.com, okay? Or, um, yeah, kslinstitute.com. When you go to kslinstitute.com, click on Teachers Training Academy, and it will take you into our Teachers Training Academy portal, and you will be able to see the course there. It is called Income Streams for Teachers in Education. It's a free course, and what it is is, you know, for many of you, you were, you know, this recording, um, I'm going to upload the podcast on there, so if you've listened to it already on Spotify or Anchor, then you may not want to listen to my voice again, (laughs) but for those of you who have haven't listened of course now you know by now that it's a part of that free course and it's really not a long course it's some questions that I'm asking you um, some things that I'm suggesting about starting some businesses and I give you 36 education businesses ideas or related business ideas that can help you to develop more ideas or to do further research so I wanted to give you something today at the end of the year that would jump start you into multiple streams of income or developing an educational business brand. So I usually separate those two different things. You could say they're one in the same when I say multiple streams of income or businesses. But when I'm talking about multiple streams of income, I'm talking about a variety of ways to have money flowing into you, flowing into you um, in education. And then when I'm talking about businesses, even though your multiple streams of income can be your business, I'm just thinking, I'm talking about business brand, right? So one of the ideas that I have for um, an educational business. So the first idea I'm going to start with, and let me see, because I have 36 guys and it's so awesome. So one of the ideas is, you know, many people are looking for people um, to help them with their children after school. Some children, especially in elementary school, they go to what? A daycare after for um, because most child care centers, they by the rules, the standards, they can have children in the environment up to the age of 12 and after school, like from five to 12, these are your your kindergarten through fifth grade. 
And some of them go to childcare programs if they have younger siblings that go there during the day while mom and dad work. And so that childcare program would pick them up. Um, or some of them may go to, if there's an after-school program in their school, or they go to a place like the YMCA or something. Well, there's some parents that really need this after-school care that extends longer than the YMCA or that extends longer than the child care center. So you can create an after-school program in your home or maybe, you know, in a facility that you rent or in your church or um some people even partner with get partnerships with school systems to offer an after school program. If you go into a school system, well, we're educators, right? So, but if you've worked in the elementary side, because you may be in preschool, if you work in the elementary school side, um, there are after school programs that are not um, managed by the school system but it's contracted by the school system. And sometimes teachers at that school will work for the after-school program as additional multiple stream of income, okay? However, that is a contracted position. And so someone had to create the after-school program to, to place the bid with the school to come in and set up the after-school program in their cafeteria. You notice most times they're in the cafeteria or whatever bigger space that they have. And so they do that. That's one way to have an after-school program. The second way is you can create one in your home. Now, if you do that, you need to make sure that you check with maybe the child care licensing standards, um, licensing agency in your state to see what would be the setup for starting an after-school program. Because remember, if it's in your home, it has to be licensed by the state who oversees childcare licensing. And that's for children from birth to 12 years. And they will tell you the process and application and what you need in order to start an after-school program. You can do that and have hours that extend past the normal hours for the regular childcare centers or the elementary. Most of them, especially in my state of Georgia, they end at six o'clock, no later than 630 you know, we had an after-school program at all of the schools that I was the director at. And school closed at 6. When we closed at 6, that's when after-school ends as well. The students that came into our our center from the elementary school. We closed at 6. That was it. Well, what about those parents who don't get off until 6 or 6.30? I used to always have parents who are rushing, trying to fight through traffic, or that was always late and had to pay late fees. That becomes expensive. But what if you started an extended after school program? Maybe you your program allowed children to stay until 8, 830, 8 o'clock. And so that's an idea. And so when I'm giving you ideas, I'm always trying to give you ideas where we're solution focused and we're not thinking of it, you know, we're solution focused. What is the problem? Okay, there's a problem. Let's not focus on the problem, but let's focus on the solution. So extending an after school program. Okay, so that's one. And you can do that in a variety of ways. Um, second one, and I said I was going to share six. So the second one is, um, let me see. 
you could, if you're very good at writing, you're very good at administrative aspects of things, you know, an additional income could be resume or CV writing and consultation for educators. So you have a niche, you have a niche. You're only focusing, you're not doing resume writers for bus drivers, cooks, and you're doing resumes and CVs. If you're good at the CV, you know, your, your, um, your CV is way longer than your resume. And usually if you're like myself and you're a college instructor, you have to have a CV. But even if you just do resume writing and you do resume consultation with that, consult, meet with your client who needs a, a resume for getting a, you know, a position in education, but you can niche your market to be a resume writer in, um, for educators, right? For educators. So you may find a unique way to package that, what it looks like and all of that. I'm just giving you, I'm giving you the, the, the idea to kind of like, you know, this is kind of like a spark plug. I'm just giving you that highlight and you can, you know, begin to think about how you can expand these ideas if it's something that catches your attention. So that's number two, resume or CV writing and consultation for educators. And remember, we're talking about staying in education. That's why I said for educators. And that's a niche. You know, that would be a very, very good niche too. Um, Number three, special needs consultant. Now, we know we have some teachers who are special needs, um, who work in special needs or special education, I'm sorry, special education consultant. And so what you can do there is maybe you work with programs who want to start, um, who need more guidance on working with children with special, um, who have special needs. Listen, idea just came to me. Many, many, and I'm telling you this, like this is the scoop. Many preschools, daycares, childcare centers, of course, they have to have diverse populations and they work with all children. But sometimes the teachers are not really, really prepared to work with a child that has a special need. Of course, they are, they come into the program because the program needs to serve the, the entire community and have diversity. But they're not really prepared because they don't really work with um, children that have special needs on a regular basis. So. They don't really, maybe maybe they don't get their professional development in that area, but that is a strong need where they need to have their appropriate training. So if you are a special education teacher in elementary school, you could consider becoming a special education consultant to daycare centers and childcare centers, showing them how to set up their environment, showing them techniques, strategies, and things that they can do for fam um, with families and with the children in their programs, helping them to cultivate a better inclusive environment and helping teachers to gain the necessary um, strategies and techniques and skills that they need. Listen, I just helped you on to that one. Now that was that. Yeah. Yeah. That's grade A. Mm -hmm. If I was in special education, I definitely would do that. I definitely would do that. You can partner with schools or you can work with families one-on-one. -on -one. So that's something to consider. So how many do we have so far? So we've done the resume and CV writing. We've done the after school program and we've done the special education consultant. So that is three. We have three more. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. 
Number four. You could also create an educational supply store where you sell educational resources and supplies, either an online store. I like everything virtual and remote. I will have to be honest because as a mom to my child just turned five a week ago, I need that flexibility and working at home just gives me that. It allows me to homeschool. It allows me to be available. But you can create an educational supply store online or a physical location right? Yes, you could do that. Um, So that's number four. And number five, let's see, what's a good one for number five? Mm -mm -mm. So you can always do a, what was it I had on here? A test prep. You can, you know, be a test prep coach, consultant, and you can have a niche for that. It could be for, you know, college entrance exams. Um, it could be for um, English as a second language, like the IELTS um, or um, what's another one? Or GD. You can do private GD. Um, you can either work for an organization. You know, they hire GD um, teachers to school system do, um, does. Or you could do it privately for yourself. You can be a GED text prep, work with someone one-on-one. Sometimes people don't do well, especially adult learners who've been out of school for so many years and they need that one-on-one instruction. So you can be a text prep coach working with people one-on-one to offer GED tutoring, okay? GED tutoring. You can do it face-to-face, you can do it online, you can go into the person's home, or they can meet you at the library. You can set up at the library where you reserve the conference room space for so many weeks, so many months, and that's where you and your one, two, or three, or four students maybe do it in small groups where you meet or you have time, you know, where you can meet with everyone one-on-one, however you want to do it, set appointments. That is a free space. So now you're not even paying for a space, right? But you're getting paid to work one-on-one with this individual. Some people, yeah, they're going to go to the free programs, but you're not worried about those who go into the free programs. You are marketing to those who really need that one-on-one, who are really serious about getting that GED so that they can further their education and build their generational wealth. And they are willing to pay you by the hour for that. Okay, so that's an idea. So that's number five, test. Test prep coach. It can be GED, GMAC. It can be SAT, um, any of those things. IELTS, which is um, for English as a second language. And let's see. That's number five. So let's give you a really juicy one for number six. For number six. Oh, this is a good one, I think. I don't know. It may not be as juicy, but this is a good one. Learn CPR and first aid and get your instructor's um, certificate in CPR and first aid. You can offer this as a niche to child care preschools. Those teachers have to, they have to, it's required. They have to have their CPR and first aid licensing um, certification as a part of their licensing requirement. You can work directly with them. Get a couple contracts. They always call you. You can um, you can um, 
go to them. I used to work with specific CPR and first aid instructors every time I needed to have a class. I used to be the operations director and senior recruitment manager of a um, child care staffing agency. And we worked, we had teachers, substitute teachers that came in every day, every week. So I always had to work with a CPR first aid trainer to come in and train and do CPR first aid for our teachers so that they can have that when we send them out to substitute. So, oh, and by the way, I just gave you number seven. <laughs> you can start a child care staffing agency and I used to run one I used to actually own one um in the early 2000s but I closed it down and then I ended up in the latter 2000s I ended up being hired as an educational um a senior recruiter at one and then I also kind of was promoted into the role of operations manager at the same time so I did both of those positions and I would go back and forth between the Atlanta office in Georgia and the Florida office. So I, I worked between the two offices, facilitate, making sure that we were recruiting, working with customers and um, rec recruiting for we did recruiting for permanent positions. And we also did temporary positions for substitutes. And so um I owned a company for maybe a year and I closed it down. That was in the early 2000s. I closed it down because I was a director of a school too. And it was hard to kind of manage the flow of that um, and to be the director of the school. So I closed it down. And then later on, I ended up working um, at a child care staffing agency. And so know a lot of things about that too so that's a business so that business is number seven so number six is cpr and first aid okay you can get a niche you can do it for preschools you can do it for parent classes you have some hospitals that you know they they have people to come in and when the parents are leaving if they're especially if their child has been in NICU they have the first aid um instructor to come in and and make sure that the parents are prepared with um first aid and CPR I went through that with my son who was born um 10 weeks early so parents have to go through that you have some I mean you can find different ways and find your niche and your your target audience your um idea customer for CPR on first day for all of these. And that was number six. And I, as I was talking, I gave you number seven. So number seven was the child care staffing agency. You can do that in a, a variety of ways. You can do where you're recruiting for permanent positions only, or you can do temporary staff, or, you know, you, you can do both if you really want to. You can do both. You can even do it where you only do charter school. Um, or elementary school or private schools or maybe work with Christian schools. So there's many ways that you can branch off and build on an idea. So what I do, I think of an idea and then I build on that idea and kind of innovatively create another, create another idea or avenue from that. Or I think about a problem in that area and say, hmm, what is the problem? And then you want to do your research to back that up. You know, you want to send out or call people and ask them, what are your needs? What what is something that you struggle with? So that way you can really find your niche. You can also, you know, research it a little bit further. But those are the seven that I'm giving you for today. I ended up going a little bit longer on today's podcast that I really, really wanted to. But I wanted to get that information out to you because it is the last day 
of 2020. And I wanted to give you something to jumpstart you to get, you know, the mental wheels of your mind moving. So, you know, these seven ideas are like oil to your engine. And hopefully it has your mind thinking where you can move in that direction of starting your own multiple stream of income, right? Or building a business brand. And even your business brand can give you multiple streams. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And if you sign up, I'm urging you, sign up for the Teacher to Leadership course that's coming in January. In this course, I'm talking about developing leadership skills for teachers who want to be in leadership positions. Um, and at the end of that course, you get an avenue. You can choose whether or not you want to continue or, you know, you're fine with just taking the, the leadership course. But then the next set of part of the course, the program, is that we will be talking about specific businesses in education. And I will walk you through how to get started step by step, giving you some inside information of what I I've done and what has helped me to create generational wealth and to, you know, continue to thrive and have my passion in education, but to do it on my own terms, right? So sign up, pre-register for the teacher to leadership program. You can go to KSL Institute. Dot com. That's KSL Institute.com and sign up for the teacher to leadership information. I'm going to be sending out information soon for those who are serious and want to get started because I'm going to give a killer price on for the first 10 people that sign up. Really, I am. And then after that, I'm kind of going to close the door and take it back up to the regular price. But I really want to jumpstart people in January to, you know, really get in their mind straight and thinking about the things that they want to do and knowing that you can do it. So take these seven, these seven income streams and think about what you can do. And then if you want to go further than that, I just told you the course is free. It's a little mini course. It's not really a course course. It is some information. Um, download it. Go ahead and look at those different resources. Think about it. Answer the questions. If you're your first time listening to this podcast is in the course, then thank you. I'm talking to those on Anchor and Breaker and Google and Spotify who have not had access to the course. So we have two people. Some of you may have had access to the course before listening to this podcast, right? And then some of you may have had access to the podcast before listening, uh, before going into the course. And the course is a mini, mini course. I'm just asking you a few questions and then you get the 36 list of um, educational businesses or educational related business ideas. And this is just a freebie, something to jumpstart you into your 2021. Okay. So again, go to kslinstitute.com, see everything that we have to offer from our childcare preschool professional development classes that we offer and also our entrepreneur resources and trainings that are coming in January 2021 and a little bit of everything <laughs> a little bit of everything for you educators you rock listen happy happy new year if you get if you're getting this course on January 31 
Happy New Year. If you're getting it, not January, but December, you all know I'm, yeah, I told you my flavor crazy. <laughs> on, um, if you're getting this course on December 31st, Happy New Year's. If you're getting it afterwards, then Happy New Year to you too. And hopefully you ended your your year greatly and hopefully you're beginning your, your year greatly in a way where, you know, you're focused, you're thankful, and you feel good about being you and what you have to bring. And now you want to kind of like just grow that and flow in a different direction, but still keeping your same passionate education, then you are in the right place. Have a wonderful, a wonderful night, everyone. Bye.